This is Taiwan Plus on ICRT, your connection to stories that matter. Brought to you by the news team at TaiwanPlus.com. Welcome to Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. Taiwan is experiencing power outages in many major cities after a reported malfunction in a power plant. Although there are many areas with power restored, some areas, particularly in the south of Taiwan, are still without electricity. Officials are racing to get the power back on. Jaime Ocon reports. As many people in Taiwan headed to work, traffic lights and commuter trains all came to a sudden stop. At around 9 a.m., Taiwan experienced a widespread power outage affecting 30% of the country's electric output. As of midday, among the areas without power, several districts in Taipei and large sections in the south of the country. That's over 5 million households. According to Tai Power, Taiwan's state-run power company, the outage was caused by equipment malfunction at the Xingda power plant in the southern city of Kaohsiung. Officials were quick to assure the public that they were taking the necessary steps to get the power back on. Officials, however, have stressed that it would take some time for Taiwan's power supply to fully be restored. As Nai and Jaime Okan for Taiwan Plus. As the Russian invasion of Ukraine enters its eighth day, Taiwan is stepping up its efforts to raise funds for the country and people fleeing the violence. Bing Wang reports. Inspired by the international push to provide humanitarian relief to Ukraine, Chen Junze is volunteering to make Ukrainian flags. His community is selling them, and all proceeds will go to supporting the Eastern European country. The flag sold out almost immediately. Chen is one of many people in Taiwan doing what they can to raise funds for Ukraine. This wine merchant is selling 1,800 bottles of Ukrainian cherry wine, while a Ukrainian student in Taiwan is making 1,200 dumplings a day to sell on the internet. The Taiwanese government has set up a special account to accept public donations. And the foreign ministry says it will work with Taiwan's representative office in Poland to ensure the donations will be spent on the increasing number of Ukrainian refugees. Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen will be contributing to that fund. Apart from the government fund, Eric Chu, chairperson of the opposition Kuomintang, or KMT, says his party will also be supporting Ukraine aid efforts. Since the Russian invasion began, there has been an outpouring of support from Taiwan for Ukraine and its people. Taiwanese and their government want to know far and wide that in the face of aggression, it stands with Ukraine and democracy. James Raynor and Bing Wong for Taiwan Plus. Much is being made of Russia's assault on Ukraine and the parallels with Taiwan's situation. China claims Taiwan as its territory and has not ruled out the force, the use of force to take it. I spoke with J. Michael Cole, a senior non-resident fellow at the Washington-based Global Taiwan Institute, to discuss the crisis in Ukraine and how it relates to Taiwan. He begins with the differences between the two countries. First of all, from a purely military perspective, uh, Ukrainian forces have only have to cross land borders uh, to launch their attacks against Ukraine, uh, whereas uh, in the Taiwan context, Taiwan being an island, is surrounded by water. So that definitely complicates uh, any attempt by the Chinese military to uh, to take Taiwan by, by force. Another important element, I would say, is the fact that uh, Ukraine has a sizable number 
of ethnic Russians, especially in parts of Ukraine that border Russia, who are to a certain extent amenable to Russia's intentions in Ukraine, uh, who may have grievances against the Ukrainian government and somehow believe that uh, they would have a, a better future if they were ruled uh, by Russia. Now, Taiwan does not have that kind of sizable ethnic minority that would, uh, to the same extent, uh, collaborate with invaders. We certainly have a number of individuals and small organizations in Taiwan uh, that are pro-unification. Uh, but nowhere near the extent uh, that we've seen in Ukraine. And you've also talked about the significance of Taiwan sort of geopolitically, um, economically. In terms of, of uh, certainly in recent years as well, uh, the importance of Taiwan to the global supply chain, its leadership in a semiconductor industry that has worldwide implications, uh, but also the uh, geographical location of Taiwan in an extremely important sea transit in East Asia, uh, which means that any military activity in the Taiwan Strait and the kind of denial of access that the Chinese military would have to impose uh, would have near catastrophic repercussions for global trade, uh, which means that not to downplay the significance of Ukraine uh, for European security, uh, but from a purely global perspective, I would argue that uh, contingency in the Taiwan Strait uh, would, would have much greater implications, would be uh, all the more destabilizing uh, to the global economy. And I think countries like Taiwan, United States and, and, and their like-minded allies uh, could do more as well to make people worldwide realize that an attack on Taiwan would have real hard consequences for their livelihoods. Still, what lessons, if any, should Taiwan be taking from Ukraine? One big lesson, certainly, and uh, I've noticed that quite quite a few people in Taiwan have been uh, have taken note of that, is the fact that even in the face of extraordinary odds, uh, if there is a whole of society uh, response to this type of invasion, uh, if people are playing different roles in defending their territory, defending their way of life, their democracy, uh, they can make the lives of invading forces a lot more, a lot more difficult. Uh, I think this serves as a uh, very potent example for the Taiwanese and uh, that it is also their responsibility uh, and that of the government to make sure that everybody plays a role in uh, contributing to deterrence against these type of attacks. But also if uh, indeed an attack occurs, uh, to be to know what to do and to have access to different means and tools uh, to make the lives of invading forces uh, a lot more difficult. This is a great example of, of unity, of resistance, uh, and I really, I sure hope that the Taiwanese are inspired uh, by what we're seeing in Ukraine right now. Former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was recognized by the Taiwan government on Thursday for his contributions to deepening Taiwan-U.S. ties. The former top U.S. diplomat was presented with the civilian award, the Order of Brilliant Star, by Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen. Pompeo is in Taipei as part of his first trip to Taiwan. He arrived Wednesday, just a day after a delegation of former U.S. security officials sent by U.S. President Joe Biden. During his term, Pompeo normalized U.S. arms sales to Taiwan and lifted restrictions on visits by top U.S. officials. His remarks at the, the award ceremony centered on the need for strong democracies, especially amid Russia's invasion of Ukraine.
I think we need only watch what's taking place in Europe today to see that this continues to demand deep, concerted, focused leadership from those of us who cherish freedom. Earlier, I spoke with Miles Yu, the former China policy advisor to Pompeo, who is part of the visiting delegation. Yu is now a senior researcher at the Hudson Institute. He began by telling me how Pompeo views Taiwan. Secretary Pompeo sees Taiwan as a shining example of free, what, what a free people can do. And so this is one of the reasons why he must feel like a homecoming, because it's not, not necessarily culturally speaking, but in terms of value and principle. You were senior policy advisor on China to Mike Pompeo, and the Biden administration has continued a tough stance um, on Beijing. Could you um, explain how their policy on Taiwan has changed? Well, I think, you know, the national consensus in the United States politics on China has been extraordinary, even miraculous, because you don't see this kind of consensus often at all. Across aisles of the Congress, in all industries, uh, business, academia, and uh, even in government, you see this extraordinary, extraordinary common understanding of the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party, not only to the freedom and democracy of the United States, but also to the world. I think what China does really matters. Um, we cannot really do nothing if a Chinese government locked up a million plus Uyghurs into concentration camp. That's what happened for decades. We normally don't do protest as vigorously as we did during the Trump administration. Many of the problems in this troubled relationship, they were there for decades. However, we don't have a national leader courageous enough to make the move to actually reverse the direction of U.S.-China relationship. Uh, trade deficit has been going on for a long time. Intellectual property theft by the Chinese has been going on for a long time. China's abuse of human rights has been gross, right, for many, many, many years. Uh, so. Uh, we don't have any effective way to counter, to push back. And I think, you know, uh, this is the one reason why the Trump administration's policy uh, overall is pretty revolutionary in its nature. And uh, that legacy actually um, is not just the whole great we were necessarily, but also it's reflective of the national consensus, the mood. So I don't think, you know, uh, uh, either Biden administration or Trump administration, uh, their policy toward Taiwan, when it comes to the issue of China, I think that both sides agree uh, near 100 percent. It's not 100 percent, but near 100 percent. And I'm very pleased to say that. Secretary Pompeo's trip takes place at a time when there's been much speculation about him running for president in 2024 on the Republican ticket. What can you tell us about this? You know, that's a good question. I'm going to ask him tomorrow morning, and then I'll tell you later. Thank you, Miles. Um, and is there anything else that you would like to tell Taiwan? Let freedom reign. And uh, uh, what uh, Taiwanese people have achieved uh, in the last uh, several decades is absolutely wonderful and uh, uh, and marvelous. And I think this also uh, set a good example for all Chinese-speaking communities around the world. Freedom democracy creates happiness. And Taiwan has recently been ranked as Asia's number one democracy. That's amazing, coming from the shadow of the, the past.
As cases of COVID-19 in Taiwan remain stable, the government is gearing up to start relaxing border restrictions. On Thursday, health authorities reported 66 new cases, including five new domestic infections. Starting next week, business travelers will be allowed into the country and will have to serve a quarantine of 10 days, a reduced time period that will apply to all travelers. It's the first easing of restrictions for foreign visitors since last May, but authorities say that opening up further may not happen for some time. Taiwan's Baseball League could be adding a new team to its roster. The Chinese Professional Baseball League announced a collaboration with Taiwan Steel Group to establish a sixth baseball team, which could start playing in 2024. The team would be named the Taiwan Steel Brave Eagles, with a home in Kaohsiung's Chengqing Lake Stadium in southern Taiwan. On Tuesday, Taiwan Steel Group Chairman She Yuming signed a letter of intent with League Commissioner Tsai Zhichang. The application still needs approval by the CPBL board, which meets in May. Thank you for watching Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. For more stories from Taiwan and around the world, please download the Taiwan Plus app. Stay safe and see you next time. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Plus on ICRT. For more great stories from Taiwan and around the world, visit TaiwanPlus.com. Yeah.